there are plenty of people out there, I would venture to say, that, that hold this opinion. I've encountered some people that have this opinion. Uh, and actually, concerning that second statement, that Christians think that they're better than other people and that's not right, on the second half of that, I would actually agree wholeheartedly. If a Christian thinks that they're better than anyone else, they're wrong. Just putting that out there. That mentality actually flies directly in the face of the gospel. Remember that comparison of a criminal... What is up, everybody? Welcome back to An Average Account of Exceptional Things. My name is Chandler, and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So, before we get into the episode, you know we got to start out with a little bit of housekeeping. Welcome back for this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed that little snippet there of what is to come later in the episode. If you did like it, be sure to stick around for that. Now, as the title clearly shows, this week's episode is about judgment. And this kind of blurs the line a bit into the discussion about hypocrisy as well, which is definitely a hot topic and a common criticism that I've heard of both Christians and the Christian faith as a whole. But before we get any further into this episode, I just need to go ahead and say something. Don't judge me, bro. Now, if you think that's weird and a little out of place, let me explain. A little while back, I heard a sermon. And the preacher asserted that there was one particular verse that was actually uh, recently had become the most quoted verse from the Bible. And when he says the most quoted verse, my mind immediately goes to something like John 3.16. Growing up in church, it seemed like a natural choice. You see it everywhere, t-shirts, bracelets, you name it. It's the one verse that everyone seems to know. But he posited that actually... It was the first verse of Matthew chapter 7. And when I say, don't judge me, bro, which you may have heard out in everyday life in the world around you, that is actually a paraphrase of this particular verse of scripture, though it's very possible that a lot of people using that phrase may be unaware that they're actually indirectly quoting the Bible. So let's read those verses right out of the gate here. It's going to be Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Judge not, that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, When there is the log in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, this is during the Sermon on the Mount, and it's spoken by Christ himself. The Sermon on the Mount is an exceptional section from the book of Matthew. It is going to be chapters 5 through 7. I would highly encourage anyone who hasn't read the Sermon on the Mount to go give that a read. It's a very straightforward and applicable set of verses, and I think it's really easy to grasp 
the application of those verses, regardless of where you are in your walk or in the faith. So what does that word judge mean in this context? Well, you know I'm a definitions fan, and I went ahead and pulled up a few. These first two are going to come from Merriam-Webster. So this is the first definition of the word judge, and we're going to be using the verb judge, not the noun which refers to a member of the judicial system. So, to judge is to form an estimate or evaluation of. Now that's at one definition, and it's a pretty good definition. If you've ever heard the phrase, use good judgment, this is the kind of judgment that we're referring to, this action of sizing a situation up, so to speak. If you've ever heard someone advise you, hey, don't get into the car with strangers, or don't meet someone that you've only ever spoken to online, things like that. Uh, This is not the definition that we're referring to here. But here's another definition, also from Merriam-Webster, to form a negative opinion about. Now, this is what we often think of when we hear this word today. And I would argue that at this point, maybe it's the most common use case. And there are a lot of people out there who will try to weaponize this verse by slapping down that definition and then twisting the verses in Matthew 7 to fit a more convenient meaning. Tell me if this train of thought sounds familiar. The Bible says, don't judge. Well, that means no forming negative opinions. Ergo, the Bible says, you can't think anything that I do is wrong, because that's negative, which is being judgmental. This is a misunderstanding in my opinion, a perversion of scripture uh, that I hear from time to time. So let's talk about uh, what this actually means, what we mean when we talk about judging here. Well, simply put, this means don't declare someone guilty before God. Here's an example for you. I would like to think that most of us are familiar with a natural judge, someone who presides over a courtroom. Now, these people are pronouncing judgment, but they're pronouncing judgment based on human law. It's laws that we as humans have enacted, whether that is criminal law or civil law, it makes no difference. These are laws that we have drummed up, and therefore, we as humans have the authority to determine and rule on them. And if you look around, look at any nation in the world, or any state, any sub-province of any place, you'll see that we are successful in creating these laws, and also wildly unsuccessful and inefficient as well. But there is another type of law, and that's God's law. This supersedes any of our natural laws, any of our man-made laws that we, we have cooked up over the years. And we do not have the authority to pronounce judgment concerning God's perfect law. We can see this modeled in scripture in James chapter 4 verse 12, just to give one example. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? 
So there it was, James chapter 4, verse 12. There is only one judge who presides in the eternal courtroom, and that's God. If we think that we're qualified to pass eternal judgment onto someone, then we're acting as if we are on the same level as God. Now, when I was outlining this episode, I almost said, isn't that the biggest joke that you've ever heard? But that actually passes being funny at all. It is so ludicrous, so ridiculous. Uh, You're not even kidding yourself if you think that that you're on level with God. Uh, At that point, I think that that we've got a very serious problem. And, And I'll be frank here. If God had the same judgment that I had, or that any person on this earth had, we'd all be in a lot of trouble. To frame this in an easy-to-approach physical perspective, think about it like this. For us to say that we have the authority to issue eternal judgment on God's perfect eternal law, it would be like a convicted criminal boldly walking into a courtroom and pronouncing judgment in an ongoing case. It's ridiculous. We can clearly see the contradiction here. This is someone who has has broken the law, whatever that man-made law may be. They've committed the crime, they were sentenced, and rightly so, and yet they walk in saying that they have the authority to determine right and wrong and to cast judgment and rule over someone else. There's a clear contradiction here, but when we pretend that we have the authority to provide judgment for God's eternal law, we are doing that very same thing, only so much worse. So you may say this, well, it sounds a lot like Christians are being hypocritical to form opinions about people. Christians think they're better than other people, and that's not right. Now, there are plenty of people out there, I would venture to say, that that hold this opinion. I've encountered some people that have this opinion. Uh, And actually, concerning that second statement, that Christians think that they're better than other people and that's not right, on the second half of that, I would actually agree wholeheartedly. If a Christian thinks that they're better than anyone else, they're wrong. Just putting that out there. That mentality actually flies directly in the face of the gospel. Remember that comparison of a criminal walking into a courtroom that I mentioned just a moment ago? We as Christians have to acknowledge the fact that we are the criminal. We have broken the law. We're guilty beyond a shadow of a doubt. And yet we have received incredible mercy and forgiveness and redemption through Christ. And ultimately, what we're out to do is to share that mercy and that forgiveness with others, to shine a light on the path to salvation and sanctification. So remember the verses from Matthew chapter 7, particularly this time verses 3 through 5, when we're referring to the speck in your brother's eye and the log in your own eye. Now obviously there's a huge difference between a speck and a log, and the fact that those two were used is no coincidence. It's meant to highlight the importance of understanding our own imperfections. Now, sometimes people take those verses to mean that if you aren't perfect, you aren't allowed to notice anyone else's flaws. And if that were the case, we would all just walk around completely immune and oblivious to help from others. 
being forced to navigate life on our own individual knowledge and understanding alone. And while there are perhaps some people that would say that that's exactly what we should be striving for, I for one disagree with that premise. There's so much wisdom to be gained from others. And that diversity in experience and the diversity in perspective is immensely helpful, both in a religious context and otherwise. It's important to have someone who can shoot straight with you, so to speak. Someone who can approach you and see it from a perspective outside of your own. If you've ever heard of people looking for unbiased data points, doing research, they never go to their family or their closest friends for their research. Why is that? Because they're too close. If I set out to start a business and I started doing market research, I wouldn't go ask my mother if she thought that my idea was great. Here's how that conversation would probably go. Yeah, honey, I think that's a great idea. I'm so proud of you. I'm confident that if you work hard and you push forward that you'll be successful and I love you. Now, that's really encouraging. That is going to make me feel good when I leave the room. And I'm not saying that your family or your friends won't offer you some hard truths, but there's also a personal element to that. There's a personal connection that, whether we realize it or not, kind of clouds our judgment a lot of times. This time referring, of course, to our ability to assess a situation. And so we want to have those people in our lives that will give us the hard truths, that will say, hey, there's a problem here, and it needs some work. It's important in business, it's important to have unbiased results in scientific data, and it's important in our spiritual walks. Everyone needs to have at least one person they can count on to be honest, even when they think that you don't want to hear it. Now maybe you've heard this phrase, when you point at someone else, there are three more fingers pointing back at you. If you don't believe me, just take your index finger and point it out in the air in front of you. Now look at your pinky, your ring, and your middle finger. See which direction those are going? It's crazy, but it's true. That's the same concept that these verses are imparting. Don't go around correcting people without taking plenty of time to first remember that you need correcting too. Because none of us are perfect. And if we think that we are, we're lying to ourselves. In the words of Pastor K.J. Pugh, we are often keenly aware of what others owe us, but unaware of what we owe others. So before you go around rebuking others, just remember to practice a healthy amount of self-rebuke. Now, I think that's a wonderful term, and I wish that I could take credit for it, but I can't. But here's what these verses are communicating to us. Think about it this way. You know every action that you take and every thought that you have. I mean, you are with yourself every minute of your entire life. And you have a lot more opportunities to see the areas where you could stand to improve than to see those of other people. So it's this simple. Check your pride. When we look at examples in Scripture, 
particularly the one that comes to mind for me is the writer Paul. As he progresses in Scripture, over time we actually see that his self-estimation decreases. But he lifts up God all the more. And it's that power that allows us to boast in our weakness. So when you call attention to something in another person's spiritual walk, here are some practical steps. First, do it in love. Now this is something that I've mentioned in previous episodes, and I'll say it again. There's this idea of rebuking in love or giving a hard truth in love. And I think that it's important to distinguish that from giving a hard truth with malicious intent or to prove that we're right about something, to feel big and bad. It's not about that. If someone saw me going down the wrong path, I'd want them to tell me because I might not even realize that I have a poor trajectory. If you feel the same way, you know exactly what I'm saying here. It's important to have people around you who have your back, who are looking out for you, who want to see you succeed. And ultimately, we should strive to be that person for the people in our lives as well. Secondly, don't approach it like the judge in a courtroom. Because we are not the judge. Even if you are vocationally a judge serving in the judicial branch, in the spiritual courtroom, we are the convicted criminal who got let off the hook. Instead, approach these situations, for instance, maybe as a fellow soldier on the battlefield of life. And here I have to take a moment to talk about this idea of rebelling against authority. You know, this is something that we discuss a lot in our daily lives, usually referring to young people, teenagers, rebelling against their parents, going against the grain. But I think that if we're honest, most of us probably have that tendency. When someone tells you to do something, when someone criticizes you, your first reaction is to jump to the defense or to push back. No one likes getting told what to do. No one likes feeling like they've done something wrong. And that's why it's so powerful. When you place yourself on equal footing, when you recognize, in fact, if someone said that I was, it would be so incredibly wild that it might actually be comical. When you realize your own shortcomings, when we as Christians embrace the fact that we have received mercy and grace and we haven't earned it, we're able to connect on such a deeper level with people. Because there's an understanding of, yeah, we're in the same boat. I'm not perfect. No one is perfect. And we're all just trying to do a little better. We're all just trying to uphold God's law better every day. To take one step closer in our relationship with God. And when you approach it from that perspective, I found that people are often a lot more receptive to hear what you have to say. Finally, I would encourage you 
to bring scripture because God's word has the power to convict. And I think that this is especially important when you're approaching other believers. Because when people recognize the sovereignty of God and the sufficiency of scripture, the power that scripture has as God's holy word, it's really hard to argue with the words in the Bible. I've said this before, but one of my favorite phrases that I've developed through this podcast is, don't take my word for it, take God's word for it. My word is fallible, just like you can read in the disclaimer in the show description. When I offer opinions, they are just that. They are opinions. God's word has authority. More authority than the words of any person walking this earth today. Now I'd like to provide you with one more set of verses from Scripture. This is going to be from John chapter 12. It's going to be verses 44 through 50. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So when we talk about our approach as Christians, living in a broken world, we should be spreading the word to others. It says clearly that the word will judge on the last day. Now, Jesus did not come to judge the world in his first coming, but he is returning. We don't know the time, we don't know the day, but on the second coming, he will judge. So while we're not called to condemn others with God's word, we are called to use it to shine a light to the path of salvation and sanctification through Jesus. Now, as we start to wrap up the episode, I want to go ahead and offer you a few closing thoughts. Though some people will twist scripture to serve various purposes, do not be discouraged or pushed into silence. And don't be afraid to call attention to spiritual dangers you see for others. But remember to do so with love and compassion, having exercised a healthy amount of humbling and self-rebuke. This is something that I have to remind myself of all the time. And ultimately, when you meet people who have church hurt or have a negative experience with Christians, I think that in a lot of cases, that point right there makes all the difference. And finally, remember this. Being a Christian doesn't mean that you are inherently judging others. Sharing the gospel isn't an act of harsh or vindictive judgment. Believing in the truth and the importance 
of the commandments laid out in Scripture doesn't make you a hypocrite. Because the story of Christianity isn't, look how good I am. Look at all the things that you're so bad at. Can't you see how I live a better life than you do? The story of Christianity is this. Look at how lost I was, but see the incredible work that was done in my life through the Lord. Look at how far I still have to go, but see how he continues to work in my life and deliver on his promises. This officially concludes episode 21, Judgment. Mm-hmm.